live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. And that's what we're focusing on. This is the entertainment edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we want to interact with you. So definitely swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Podchaser. And remember, reviews for good are still going on. Podchaser is for a great cause. If you leave us that five-star review and interact, we will definitely interact with you. All of that, the T Public Store, and so much more can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember, join the conversation to use the hashtag odphpod because we have a lot to discuss, Pad. Oh, yeah. We had a big surprise get dropped on us being the big Marvel movie fans that we are. Surprise if you weren't paying attention on social media. There were some clues and there were some hints that, that a little something something was coming. Of course, we all know uh, that the MCU in films is returning very soon with Black Widow coming to theaters very uh, shortly. Uh, but we also know that Christ knows we should have probably had three Eternals trailers by now. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but also Shang-Chi, which is filmed and done, and kudos to them, uh, much in the same vein as uh, the James Bond No Time to Die. Uh, the film has been filmed, the film is done, and very little, if anything at all, is out about the movie. Uh, so kudos to those folks. But we figured that we should be getting a trailer soon, thereabouts. Of course, uh, the main actor, Simu Liu's birthday was the other day. So Marvel decided to drop him a little birthday present and drop the trailer on his birthday. Now, the reason I say you might have had a hint that something was coming is because all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the night prior, a couple folks I follow, Brandon Davis from comic, uh, comicbook.com, a couple others, started noticing that the Shang-Chi Twitter account all of a sudden went from non-existent to, hey, it's there, to, hey, there's a bio description, to, hey, there's that little profile picture up, not the, not the avatar, but like the profile header picture, whatever it's called, in the back. Like, this thing's getting updated. Sounds like we might be due for something 24 hours later. We got a trailer. Yes, so we are going to kick off this edition of the podcast breaking down the Shang-Chi trailer. So let us jump into it. If you want to avoid spoilers, we give you fair warning right now because we're going to start deep diving into it in three, two, one. Pad. What did you think? Uh, I thought the trailer was really awesome. I'm, I will admit, I'm not 100% familiar with the character Shang-Chi. You know, I'm not very well versed. I will be soon. Uh, but not knowing much about it, I am also, and I was already going to go see this movie. Like, that's not even a debate. I was I was already going to see this movie, but this movie, this trailer made me go, I want this now because this looks awesome. Yeah, this is one that I was very excited for because one thing that I'm very critical about of the MCU is, they have a tendency to fall in this cookie-cutter formula mm-hmm. where everything is just pretty much wash, rinse, repeat. Uh, the heroes act very similar. They kill the villains at the first movie. Yeah. so Sometimes it's, big villains. So it's kind of a very interesting format to see. But this one definitely stood out because, for me, it looks like a real karate kung fu action film. Yeah, I would that, say it feels like some of those old Bruce Lee movies that, w- that you're familiar with seeing. Yeah, so this is something that I was personally amped up to hear about, and I wasn't really sure how this is going to translate, because Shang-Chi, if you know him from the comics, mm-hmm. is not exactly a heavy hitter, so to speak. Right. He is more essentially 
the greatest martial artist in the MC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so in the Marvel Continuum, if you're asking what that was for. And debuting in 1973 in a special Marvel edition number 15, created sure. by Steve Englehart and Jim Starlin. He has been somebody that's kind of flown under the radar, hasn't really had any high-profile appearances. Yeah, I would say even, you know, my main knowledge of, like, the animated series and a little bit of that comics, not a whole lot. Like, he's never he's never been really featured in any of the animated stuff that at least I've seen. Maybe he is in something that I just haven't seen. But it, it never it, it always, to me, seems like, you know, if he's anywhere, he's not exactly, like, front line drawn like if there's a big battle you know like an avengers endgame style battle going on in the comics he'll, he might be there but like not usually at the forefront no not necessarily but he has been getting his profile raised over recent years and obviously when you're tagged to getting your uh major motion picture debut yeah you're gonna see a rise in that profile so i mean if you know him from appearing in, he's had a little run in the avengers uh, i most notably know him for marvel knights he's been kind of connected with that he's more of the street level uh hero sure so i say you kind of tie him in with like daredevil right uh luke cage iron fist that universe that's where i'm mostly connecting with but sure. like i said he's had some appearances otherwise i know they've kind of tampered with him and given him some powers as of late but that's something i'm not sure we're going to see in this movie but where we jump in for this trailer because i have to admit i was super amped up about this trailer yeah I was blown away because, like I say, this is something I haven't seen from the MCU. And the minute I saw it, I'm like, I'm all in. And we start off with this little retrospect where you see this. Uh, it's like a dojo. Yeah, it's a dojo. And you see where this pillar has a fist imprint. And as we see, our title character, Shang-Chi, is kind of reliving his past, so to speak. And you can see him kind of punching the post. Yeah. And Lou is just doing this training montage a little bit, so we know that he has definitely moved on in his life, but we do hear this narrator voice say that I've given you 10 years to live your life. Uh-huh. And as we see that he is now stationed in San Francisco, where it appears our hero is living a normal life with friends yep. and just enjoying not necessarily being anything super special. No. And then we see a flashback to a, a masked character that is known as the Death Dealer. Uh-huh. And he is one that is training one Shang-Chi uh-huh. in the arts. So you kind of see this a small little focus of like he yeah. smacks him on the back and he wants yeah. him to punch the post harder. Oh, yeah. So it, it's just kind of like a little quick throwaway sequence. But you do see him that he's training. And as we see that Shang-Chi is getting older, you see as he's progressing through his history that he is getting better about his training. And as you see... His father, as we are assuming he is, uh-huh. is one Tony Leung, who the character is named Wen Wu, uh-huh. but we all think that he is the Mandarin, and, and I'm going with that, and that is my, my basis for this, because in the comics, Shang-Chi has a different father. Sure. But for the MCU, I think they're retconning a little bit, not that it's going to change uncommon. anything super you know, to the story. But I actually am very excited to see how this plays out because I know we've had the Mandarin appear in the MCU films before. Right. Obviously, Iron Man 3 was Ben Kingsley, even though it turned out not to be him. Yeah, and, he just he just used the title. Yeah, which was kind of a little interesting play they did, but they retconned it in a bonus scene for the Blu-ray edition. Right. So, that being said, we now have the first signs of the Mandarin. As he's walking through with his son, you see them going through a restaurant, and there's an attack going on, and just really forcing his will. And then we get another flashback sequence to where Shang-Chi is training, and he's almost surrounded by, uh, like, a... The hand, it almost yeah. looks like. It's, I, I don't know if it's officially the hand, so I don't want to say it, but there is a bunch of armed soldiers that are around him, as you see. He is kind of getting his training, and then we flash forward to where a helicopter lands, and it looks like the Mandarin has come to get his son. Mm-hmm. 
And you see that he's definitely taken some of his friends along with him, which I thought that was kind of an interesting way to go. Yeah, and it also looks like he might be participating in some sort of like underground fight ring type of thing where, you know, it's right before the helicopter lands in the trailer. But you see a couple shots of some folks, and, and but there's this large crowd, there's this raised cage atmosphere, there's people cheering and people kind of looking down on it. So it almost looks like, you know, something clearly happened in his past where he wants nothing to do with his father and nothing to do with, I guess, you know, his destiny, heritage, whatever you want to call it, you know, and, and just decides, hey, I'm going to go off and do my, my own thing, but I need to make some extra bucks and I have these rather unique set of skills. I'm going to use those to my advantage. Well, I think that he knows what growing up was entitling if he stayed mm-hmm. where he was. Yeah. And I don't think that he wanted the life of crime or whatever was going on there. So as he tried to escape and have a normal life with his friends, he realizes he can't outrun his past. Yeah. So to see him brought back, and we do see Aquafina as Katie, uh-huh. as her character appeared to, of part of the group that is brought back to meet the Mandarin, as you see. He's sitting in his chair, kind of observing. And then we see a sequence that I know has gotten a lot of buzz on the internet. And that is, you see somebody wearing bracelets up their forearm. Uh huh. Now, Pad, let me ask you this. Sure. What do you think this is supposed to represent? I have no idea. I'm going to guess they're Wakandan, though. Okay. For me, I'm guessing that this is how we're going to see the Mandarin's rings. Because where if you're not that familiar with sense. if you're not familiar with the Mandarin, the Mandarin does wear ten rings of all different types of powers. So say we uh, the shot I'm currently freeze framed on in the trailer uh, is his right arm. Uh, there is four in frame, but there's still a half a arm yet to see. So it's plausible there's five on that arm and five on the other arm. I yeah. can see it. So we're kind of going with that take for this. Now, is it anything official yet? We don't know, but we'd like to speculate. And as we see that that person is ready to do some fighting for a battle. Now, we don't know what that is going to title or who that is supposed to be. And then we go through another phase where you're seeing water shoot out of a wall. And they're really kind of keeping you at bay of what is going yeah. on. Yeah. And I do like that, that you just don't have everything lined up just yet. And then as we see, the scene does jump around a little bit because we then go back to where we see the Death Dealer is facing off with Shang-Chi in a building. It could possibly be Madripoor. I don't know. I don't want to say that just yet, but we do see it, it does have that look that we just saw in the Falcon and Winter Soldier. So it very well could be, and as we'll get to in the second segment, whatever they had planned, things gotten jostled around a little bit, so it could be. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be. I'm not sure exactly how much they want to make Madripoor a focus in the next phase of the MCU, but it makes a lot of sense that they wanted to dabble in that water. So we'll have to wait and see about that. But the action sequence in this, I have to say, this is what sells you on the movie, that with Shang-Chi being the master of kung fu, you get this. Right. And you know the pace this is going. And like I say, the action sequences look absolutely phenomenal. We do see some almost like they're in feudal China yeah. uh, sequences too. So we're, we know they're going to be kind of jumping around. Just to interject quick, uh, you're spot on with the rings on the arm. Oh, it is? No, it is. Uh, and that's not me getting told anything. It's a toy leak. Oh. There's a, there's a toy leak, and it's literally ten, it, uh, It's from the folks over at Hasbro. Uh, and it's and it's literally yeah no the, those are, those are the ten rings. That's interesting. I gotta, mean, gotta love the toy leaks. Well, yeah, I know. I try avoiding those as much as I can. But I, just looking at the character, that would make a lot of sense because it's, yeah. it's tough to kind of sell the ten rings. And I mean, unless you're gonna go Green Lantern style, but I think they probably saw that movie and were like, I want to avoid that at all costs. <laughs> so let's switch it up here. 
But as we see, this movie, or this trailer does jump around a little bit. So like we yeah. said, there's some ancient battles going on that we can kind of at least kind of foresee yeah. with the Mandarin. And obviously, if you know his character, he has been aged for many years. Oh, yeah. And I mean, keeping the story under wraps is, is a smart idea just because you would think that it, since he's not, a, you know, Shang-Chi isn't exactly the biggest household name that you would want to tell a little bit of the story, peel the curtain back a little bit. But that's really not Marvel's M.O., no matter who the character is, if it's somebody as well-known as Iron Man or Captain America, mm-hmm. that they don't peel the curtain back all that much. No, they definitely don't. They just want to hit you with just enough right now that you know what's going on with this movie. You can start creating a little hype for it, because once we get into Memorial Day weekend, I'm going to put this out there right now, Marvel is going to go overdrive in their movie hype. Uh-huh. Because with all the movies coming out, Black Widow, yep. Shang-Chi, yep. we might get our Eternals trailer then. I would imagine so, yeah. You'd have to think, even though that's coming out later in the year, they're going to really want to start cranking out hype for the movies yeah. because hopefully theaters are going to be more open yeah. than they are right now. And they definitely want to get people back to the box office. And this is a prime way to do this. And especially introducing Shang-Chi, who, like we've said, is not a huge household name. You want to give enough that the casual fan that is not a comic reader is going to go, this looks awesome. Right. I want to go. Right. I mean, you know they're going to draw because it's Marvel. Right. And, and, and it's, it's going to draw because it's Marvel. And there's also that like, contingent of society that loves Kung Fu movies. It's the reason mm-hmm. they've been around for so long. They're not they're not as big as they once were, but they're still popular. They're still around. So there's still there's that little bit of overlap where you got Marvel fans that love Kung Fu movies, but there might be some Kung Fu movie fans that don't like Marvel that see this and go, hey, you know what? It's a Kung Fu movie. I'll go check it out. Yeah, for me, this is something that just, like I said, excited me when I heard about it because I can't remember the last time at the box office there was a real great karate Kung Fu martial arts movie. Yeah. And I'm just I'm struggling to remember it. Like I almost want to say Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Probably. Like I I honestly am thinking that yeah. much because we just haven't seen this genre hit the screen in this level in such a long time. But I'm excited from seeing the action sequence that we have here that is leading me to say this is gonna be a home run with those scenes. And then we jump back into the trailer now, and we do see Shang-Chi is fighting with someone on a subway car. Mm-hmm. And that person is Florian Minitao, mm-hmm. who we know from Creed Two. Oh, I thought he looked familiar. He is the son of Ivan Drago. Gotcha. Yes, yeah, so he's playing the character Razor Fist, and we do see him swinging said Razor Fist at Shang-Chi. So the whole boxing thing didn't quite work out for him, so he went this route. Got it. Oh, my God. If they tie in those two universes together, that'll be amazing. I mean, listen, you already got the Michael B. Jordan connection. It could happen. Just saying. And then we go through some more sequences where, like I say, we go back in time, it looks like. So they're showing ancient China, and they're showing the battle. I'm assuming how the Mandarin took over. How the Mandarin took over, or maybe just the legacy of... Of, of that group of people. Yeah, of his organization. Yeah, so, that, yeah, yeah the, the Ten about. Rings. Yeah. So, as that being said, we do see another moment where Aquafina's character is asking Shang-Chi, like, who are you? What are you doing? And we see him with that final pose on the train. Which, side note, I didn't realize I needed Aquafina in a Marvel movie until I saw it in the trailer. Holy crap. She's awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. And then, as we see, it's not a train, actually, it's a bus. Oh, yeah. And we see the bus sequence where it's a high octane, save everybody on there as they're going down a street in San Francisco, and then finally stops, and Aquafina goes, oh, we make a pretty good team. We have to stay above 55 miles an hour. Yes. I know. It's, it's just so much going on with this. Like, it always throws me off, because how that bus is built, it looks like a train. It does, yeah. So, either way... This is definitely something to have circled on your calendar, in my opinion. September 3rd is dropping at movie theaters. Not soon enough. 
It's not soon enough, but this was something that the fans were all waiting on. And obviously, with Shang-Chi being involved, this is a relative new property for the mainstream fans, which yeah. everybody has been really accepting of that I've seen thus far. Oh, uh, absolutely. The, the feedback has been very positive, and it should be because this definitely stands out. This is going to be that big action movie that this character, and depending on where they want to go with him moving forward, could become another member of the Avengers down the road. For I the would imagine sequence. so, yeah. We don't know exactly how this is going to play out, but with Marvel, everything's connected. And to see that this action film is looking thus far like what we're expecting from the MCU moving forward because we don't have the Avengers. True. We're going to have new heroes rise up. This Shang-Chi looks absolutely phenomenal for yeah. this. So I am definitely, definitely pumped up for this. Final thoughts on the trailer, Pat? Love the trailer. Super excited for it. Uh, it's going to be a real long wait, though. Wait till September to, to see this. But I know with everything coming with Marvel, it's it, not going to be that long in, in all reality. No, it definitely won't be. But for teasing us of an unknown character, they did a great job. That you have enough that the action sequ- sequences, bleh, if I could talk today, it'd be great. The sequences sell you alone. That if you are just into action movies, this is going to get you. This looks something brand new, and the story of somebody escaping their past and now getting brought back to it and have to face their destiny might be something we've seen before, but this just has a new feel to it. And I can just not stress enough to see an actual martial arts movie back at the box office that really feels like it. I'm super excited about this. And to see where they're going to go in the direction of the MCU moving forward, sign me up and get my money all set. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the Shang-Chi trailer? Were you excited? Were you not? And why? Let's have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered what scotch will make your palate feel like it's just gone on a majestic journey through the Highlands? If LeBron will ever win another ring? Or if the Leafs will ever win another Stanley Cup? Mike, if they tune in to Scotch and Sports, they're going to find all that out and more. They're going to find out what's souring our scotch, what our next scotch on the shelf is, and our On the Rock segment where we debate two topics. You just met Mike. I'm Gertie. we got suds coming up. And we may be drinking scotch, but our biased opinions don't change no matter how much we've had. And we have quite a bit. We'll even answer viewer questions, so send them in. And if you don't like the answer, well, we'll just have to have another scotch and we can still all be friends. We even talk a little, or a lot, of pop culture. Where else can you find hot takes on WandaVision, NFL analysis, and the fact that the Leafs will in fact win the Stanley Cup this year? Answer, Scotch and Sports. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. In time to break down the penultimum episode. It's already here. And I know. This freaks me out. I know. And that is the fifth episode of Disney Plus's smash hit, mm-hmm. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yep. Holy smokes, this show has absolutely been crushing it. Oh, it's amazing. Yes, and they have kind of teased a little bit that they might be trying to do a second season. Well, there's hints of it. We're we're hearing of hints. I'm here for it. Oh, absolutely. Give me it. I don't need WandaVision to come back. WandaVision is one and done. Everybody is hearing about they submitted for the Emmys. Yeah, well, then what is it? I saw the, uh, the uh, nominees for the MTV Awards came out, which, you know, are what they are. Yeah, they are what they are. But... I think WandaVision was either most nominations or tied for the most. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it was the most popular show to kick off 2021. Yeah. 
And I know it's yeah. debatable about the numbers, and everybody can get in the argument about that. But you can't deny that it took over. Wandavision pop was culture. dropping, and the service crashed. Yeah, which hadn't happened since the damn thing launched. Mandalorian didn't even have that. This is true. I mean, I'm just saying. No, no, yeah. facts <laughs> are facts. Facts are facts. I know. Before everybody starts you know, call, going, call a spade a spade. Going, that's not the way, Ken. No, I agree, but. This is what the facts are. So to see the Falcon Winter Soldier take up the lead and give us the story about who is next in line for the mantle of Captain America and what that represents, man, they have been crushing it. Yeah. And this episode might have been the best one yet. It's up there. It hit a lot of of high points, so we definitely are going to start breaking it down. So we give you that spoiler warning, as always. We are going to be breaking down Episode 5 title, Truth. From the Falcon and Winter Soldier. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, we give you fair warning right now. Pause the episode right here, the podcast that is. Watch the show, then jump back in because Pat and I are going to start deep diving in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was a great episode, one of the best. Uh, But it feels like, and this isn't a critique, this is just kind of my feelings. This feels like, you know, a powder keg getting fulled to beyond capacity. And we're not taking a match and throwing it into said powder keg, but we're taking a flamethrower and just firing that flamethrower off into the powder keg. That just with everything, like it felt, let's be honest, the the latter half, latter third, whatever you, however you want to break it down of this episode felt too calm. Like, you know, it's too quiet, too quiet. You know, if you go through moments in life, like, Things are going a little too good right now. Like, where is this going to fuck up? Like, I, that's kind of how I felt with this. And I'm like, I'm here for it. The one point about this episode, to, to piggyback off what you said, they needed a quick break in the action. Oh, yes, yes. Because for what the build needed to be, they needed just that quick moment of not tying up loose ends, but quieting some of the story so when we get to the final episode... It's going to be that much more impactful. I mean, you got to figure they've been running around for like two or three episodes straight, Mm -hmm. nonstop. Yeah. And where they kick off this episode, they don't waste any time, which I love about this, is dealing with the actions of one John Walker, a.k.a. Fake Cap, a.k.a. Screw that guy. A.k.a. I mean, the U.S. agent. Your favorite character. Oh, my God. You know, but I will say this, because I I know I get a lot of online flack about this because I hate the character. Wyatt Russell, man. Phenomenal acting job. Oh, yeah. He deserves... When they start talking awards for this, he deserves them. Yes. Because he has definitely embraced the role of being the biggest asshole in the U.S. government. Yeah. Superhero quadrant, whatever you want to find it as. Yeah. And he's ran with it. And to see that he is now answering for the actions of when he roided out and killed a flag smasher in front of a large group of people with cellular devices that have broadcast this all over the world. He is now on the run, and Falcon and Winter Soldier are now chasing him to get the shield back. So right then and there, we jump in to give us the shield. Yeah, let's do this calmly. And Sam and Bucky are trying their best. Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan were great in this episode, and they were really trying to work with somebody they know like could not yeah. handle the mantle, which yeah. is the which is the whole point of John Walker. Yeah, which they both have you know equal uh, view on just how bad a situation this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Sam, because he watched what happened uh, after Age of Ultron, 
mm-hmm. you know, and with that, you know, Sokovia Accords and that whole thing. But then also Bucky, hard to say because we don't know where he was and, you know, where his head was at, at that with Age of Ultron. But then with Bucky as well because of what happened after Civil War where this ain't the best look. Like there are ways you go about things and there are ways you do things and what you did ain't exactly kosher. Well, for the legacy of Steve Rogers and what the mantle of Captain America means, this is an absolute slap in the face. Oh, absolutely. For, there's no way to sugarcoat it. They understand that being Steve's closest friends, they know. Yeah. And they're trying to tell John Walker, listen, yeah. what you did is unacceptable. Give us the shield. And he is so blinded yeah. in his own bullshit. Well, and, and there's a quote from Game of Thrones that's getting repurposed and reworked a little bit. Uh, but Tywin Lannister, for those of you who watch Game of Thrones, uh, remember, uh, says, any man who must say, I am the king, is no true king. Exactly. And you can kind of take the king out of that phrase and say, Captain America, any man who must say, I am Captain America, is no true Captain America. What follows Wyatt Russell's uh, you know, uh, words out of his mouth every time he introduces himself or walks into a room? I'm Captain America. I'm Captain America. Hey, did you know? I'm Captain America. Like, methinks you doth say it too much. Facts. Facts, Padawan. Did, did, Facts. Did, did Steve Rogers walk in a room saying, hi, I'm Captain America? Maybe at first when he was on the, on the tour in Europe during World War II, but after a while, no. No, because the world understood who he was and what he represented. This clown has gotten the mantle and absolutely buried it well, say and how, all the prestige it had. Say, how did Steve Rogers introduce himself to Groot during the Battle of uh, Wakanda? Not, I'm Captain America, I am Steve Rogers. Yes. He understood the role and what this entitled. John Walker has never done it. He's just been a, a robot for the most he's part. He's just kind of treating He's not even treating it like with the respect and reverence it should be treated with. Mm-hmm. He's treating it as his easy pass or just kind of like his fast pass. To get where he wants and get what he wants in life. That like, oh, this is a, hey, I don't got to go through those toll booths on, on the highway of life. I'm Captain America. I can just bypass all those. Just name drop. He just has such a distorted view of the world. Yeah. And it's only gotten yeah. worse. It's like, he, I don't, I don't want to say he's brain damaged, but I think whatever he took with the super soldier serum and even beforehand, because yeah. I'm convinced that they yeah. did not reveal that just yet. That combination has just altered his personality. It's one hell of a cocktail. To a degree that he just is not fully there no. in the real world. No. And as we see during this fight, and what a fight it was, this is just knockdown, drag out. Everybody has taken everybody out. It, to which point the big moment of this fight is Walker is so roided up. Mm-hmm. He rips off Sam Wilson's wings. Yeah, I want to walk back what I said last week when I said I didn't think he took the super soldier serum. Yeah, he took the super soldier serum. I just can't, for the life of me, imagine even a guy like Walker, who supposedly tested off the charts in every category with the Army, you know, that unless he had the super soldier serum coursing through his veins, which now that, I, that I'm kind of accepting that would make sense with the kind of attitude change, you know, I almost need to see Cena you yeah. know, get an attitude adjustment. You know, but with the attitude change and then just like the sheer brute strength of like, I don't think even – at his peak days with the army, he could have done that. No, he couldn't have. Do you what the what they're just have to be hiding is? I think he was experimented on beforehand. Oh yeah, and could I be. and I think that they just don't want to reveal that. Could have because, been could have been one of the folks that uh, was experimented on before. What's his face? The scientist dude got uh, snapped out of existence. It, it could be. I mean, we don't know what Praytel was going on then, but for him to test off the charts and everything involving. 
I think the U.S. government there would understand that you are now dealing with a superhuman element in the threats you deal with. So you're going to need something extra. And they probably did something, allegedly. But that being said, the super soldier serum, at least the version he had, brings out what your true character is. And him, he is just so driven by this rage and distorted view that he's just unconsolable no matter how it goes down. Yeah. But this is where you see, like, the prime example is, like I say, he rips off Sam Wilson's wings. And during this battle, he gets his arm broke, which I marked out for. Oh, I, God, yeah. Well, and I met, the first time I watched the episode, I thought he only ripped off uh, one wing. I didn't realize until I rewatched the episode later in the day that, oh, shit, he actually ripped off both. Yeah, he ripped them both off. And then he got his arm broke for his trouble. So good. Yeah. So happy to see that, that move. That move Bucky and Sam did, though. Oh, my God, where he got knocked in the air, and then whoever it was took the shield and just smashed him in different two different directions. Yeah. Oh, my God, that was awesome. The choreography for this was absolutely epic. But they wind up just being all knocked out and just struggling to survive this because this was not an easy battle. No. But like I say, for the first 10 minutes of this episode, that's all they were doing. So definitely illustrated the point of the struggle to get the shield, but it goes back to the true rifle owners. And then we switch pace to where Bucky is tracking down Zemo. And he finds him in Sokovia. Yeah. And he's kind of doing his final respects. And he's and Zemo is long play. I have to say, Daniel Bruhl has definitely been able to find that switch from being charming and calculating. Mm-hmm. And he's pulling it off so easy on this episode, too, that he has been ultimately setting up Bucky to have Bucky trip up himself. Yeah. That he wanted Bucky to kill him. And we have to remember in Civil War, he wanted to kill himself, too, but oh, Black God, Panther yeah. stopped him. Yeah. But the way he's playing Bucky against himself and really having him question his own beliefs, I thought was very interesting. But Bucky doesn't buy into it. You see the gun that Bucky has on him? Yeah. He drops all the bullets. Yeah. And the Doramaje yeah. come out to take Zemo. But what I thought was so interesting, mm-hmm. they're taking him to the raft. Yeah. I was... I have to admit, I was actually shocked by that because I was like, why would they not just take him back to Wakanda? Hmm. Why are you taking him to a superpowered prison, yet you had him over in another country before? I think I think it's just from the, the isolation standpoint of things. The raft out in the middle of the ocean, kind of isolated, kind of hard to get to unless you have the means. They've tried this whole, you know, Wakanda not exactly hidden anymore. People know where it is. Right. You know, yeah, you can put the shield up. People can still get there. But I think it's we've tried this whole lock him in a standard prison that's on an, on land, and it, he still got out. You know, let's let's try let's up the uh, ante a little bit. Maybe I like I said I just thought that they would bring him back to Wakanda to serve trial there. But there's going to be some story going on with that. So we'll have to see down the road because I, I I'm not saying we saw the last of him. Just no, yet. no, I would imagine not. No, he's got to definitely make an appearance in the final episode. But speaking of serving trial, John Walker has to meet in front of the government, and he gets discharged. He get his ass handed to him. Rightfully so. Like I say, he was trying to spin that no matter what direction he could do that in. And they said, no, you are removed of your title. We are taking everything. Yeah. You are going to just go away, and we are just going to wipe you away like the Thanos snap. Yeah. Which... He did such a, an egregious action. Yeah, you had to. Well, so, yeah, he's he's not getting anything. You know, he has no rank. He has no title. He, he's not getting his pension. You know, it, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, just his actions just showed such a, you know, reckless abandon. And it was not what they were entitling with that position. Yeah, yeah. Which, that is what it is. Should have known what you were getting into. Right, but like I say, he's such a mental loose cannon. Yeah. 
that he's just not registering what he did wrong. And it's just something that is just going to drive his character moving forward. Yeah. That he thought he thought he was in the right, but it's like, how do you explain that action? I, I don't know. I don't know. But the biggest moment of this entire episode is right after this. Yeah. That he's sitting outside the courtroom, and he gets approached by a character that I did not see coming. No. I did not see her involved with the MCU, but I marked out. And that was one Julia Louis-Dreyfus mm-hmm. from Seinfeld fame and Veep. And she's a fantastic actress. And she approaches him and says, you know what? They were wrong for what they yeah. did. They they don't understand you. Yeah. And they and one thing about that shield, too, that's not their property. It's a legal gray area. Yeah. Which she's not wrong. She wasn't wrong. But you know that she was up to no good. Now, oh yeah, yeah. If you are not familiar with the history of Shield, you did not know who she was. Mm-hmm. And I know I was going to hit up on social media about this. Pad, you know who she is. Uh, other than she is Valentina Allegra De Fontaine or Val, but don't call her Val. Yes, she is a long historic figure in Shield and Hydra. So yeah, she has definitely played both sides of the fence. And she's most notably known for being Madame Hydra at one point. Yeah. So I have to feel that they're bringing Hydra back in some fashion. About damn time. Yeah, I mean, they've been laying low for so long that you know it was coming. So to see where this is going to play forward is anybody's guess. But that was very telling that she's now slowly planting those seeds in John Walker's fragile psyche. That this is a recipe for disaster. And she's just sitting in the wings waiting for this to happen. Is she going to try recruiting for Hydra? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Is the sky blue? Is water wet? Yeah, she's going to try. Whether she's successful or not, we'll see. You'll have to see. Like I say, I I personally don't see him doing Secret Empire. No. But this might be the version yet. to try. But not yet. I think it'd just be too much too soon. Yeah, I, I well, know. Like I said, not yet. Someday, maybe. Someday, maybe, but they might. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't like that storyline, so I hope they don't do that. But I digress. Going back, though, to our heroes from the show, Sam Wilson does take his damaged wings and leaves them with Agent Torres. Mm-hmm. So this is something that I thought was kind of interesting because in the comics we know Torres does take up the mantle as Falcon when Ca- when Sam Wilson becomes Captain America. Yeah. So maybe this is going to happen for the final episode. I don't know. He does make another appearance, though, to Isaiah Bradley. Yeah. And they start talking about the legacy of Captain America. And Bradley is just saying his belief that a black man should not and cannot be Captain America that it just will not be accepted. And Sam Wilson is not hearing this message. No. Like he, he's respecting it, but you can definitely tell that he's... He, he's hearing it, he's digesting it, but it's just, it, it, he's struggling with a lot. He's struggling with a lot, but he understands Bradley's history and the awful things that happened to him for being Captain America. So he understands his point. But as he's just trying to figure out where he's going to move forward, he does return home to the family and yeah. is trying to fix the boat. And... During this time, though, he gets a visit from his best friend, mm-hmm. Bucky Barnes. Who's hitting on his sister. Yes. Good Lord. Which is, it, it's a... Wasted fu- no time. It's a funny sequence that Bucky is, you know, trying to get good with everybody in the family in the town and just find his, find a home that he hasn't had. And that's one thing that has really been something that the show did touch upon early and then hasn't touched upon late. Mm-hmm. Is that he is somebody that needs a family and needs a belonging. And he doesn't have that right now. So as he's gravitating towards Sam, he's trying to guide him in the stance that you now have the shield back. You need to be Captain America. And he's really pushing that point home. 
which Sam, to his credit, is hearing. Right, which and I think Sam's kind of thought process on this is, all right, tried this the one way where I said no, didn't take up the mantle, and I saw how that went in the worst way possible. Let's try the other way. Yes, and that is something that I think that he now gets. With the mantle, there is a purpose for somebody to represent America and the ideals. Yeah. And John Walker's way was not the way. Sam knows he can be it, and I know that he heard what Isaiah Bradley had to say, but he is going to forge his own path. That he knows that Steve Rogers trusted him with that shield. Mm -hmm. And that's a gravity that he is fully embracing. Yeah. Steve wouldn't just give that to anybody. No. But he trusts Sam, and he knew what Sam represented as a person that could be that image and be that ideal for what that mantle meant. So thus, Sam starts going into training for this, and he starts testing the shield out. And somebody pointed out online, and I have to say, after rewatching this, did you know every time Sam was running or moving, he left space on the left? No, I didn't. That's awesome, though. Yeah. He, he kept the left open, just like if Steve was training with him. So as now Sam is really hustling to get caught up to speed because he knows the job is not done, the Flag Smashers are still involved. He did get a gift from from Bucky that we don't know what it is, but it's from Wakanda for yeah, Sam. Yeah, and pretty I, safe bet what this is. Yep, I think it's it, not cookies. No, it's definitely not. It's going to be his new Captain America suit with mm-hmm. wings. Which kudos to me. I think when we were previewing the uh, series, we knew he'd be taking up the mantle at some point, and mm-hmm. we knew he'd have a costume change. And I said, "Listen, we're not going to see that costume until the last episode." So mm, kudos to me. Kudos to you, Pat, on that. So as we are now building to the last episode, we do get the Flag Smashers plan is to stop a vote at the GRC conference. And they do get help from somebody. Yeah. One Batrock the Leaper. Yeah, which I think we kind of got confirmed who the power broker is. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, we, which, which it, it's looking like it's uh, Sharon Carter uh, because in, in between scenes with the boat and all that, we see a shot of her on the phone talking with somebody. And if you turn up the volume a little bit, you don't got to crank it. You can't make out what they're saying, but you can hear a fr- somebody speaking French. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, I would hazard a guess is it's uh, French Canadian uh, since that is what one George Saint-Pierre uh, speaks. Uh, so one would... L- one plus one is equal in uh, Sharon Carter's uh, power broker. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. It's a bit of a letdown. It's kind of a letdown. I don't know unless she was playing a double agent. Maybe. That maybe now with Hydra looming could make a little more sense. Yeah. But as it appears that Sharon Carter was the power broker this entire time. But I, I don't know. We'll have to wait to see how that shakes out. I, but I, I do feel that that is a somewhat letdown for her character. Yeah. Because knowing her history in the comics, too, of being such an ally to uh, Captain America and company, to see it get flipped like this, I don't know. I'll have to wait and see how this shakes out. But I almost want to say they're going to pull one on us, and it's going to be somebody else. Maybe. Like, like she's working for somebody, and then they'll set up for something down the road. But we now get the buildup for the last episode. Batrock is now teaming with the Flag Smashers, who, in the park... They get the gun exchange. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Batrock's like, I get to kill Falcon. And they're going, okay, well, where's the army? And uh, Montague just hits the button. Yeah, the little app. Yep. And everybody comes running God to set up. And as they go in to take over the, the conference, they now leave us hanging there. Yeah. That they are in the building. They have yeah. made their move. Sam and Bucky to the rescue. And then that's how we end this show. Mm-hmm. Until the mid credit scene. Yep. Which John Walker 
is now building his own homemade so he, shield. He's, he's pulling a, a Tony Stark from Iron Man 1, building his own equipment. Yeah, which, like I say, he's so uh, such a fractured psyche. And like I say, I don't know if he has just completely been pushed over the rails, so to speak. Yeah. With everything going on, you could just see him snapping. That, like I say, I don't know if he if he has suffered some kind of just mental relapse. Whatever the case is, he's refusing to go down in this manner. That he has been discredited. Everything's been pushed away, or pulled away from him. He's literally like a man. You know, his best friend is gone. His girlfriend's probably not happy with him, not speaking to him. You know, I'm projecting a little bit, but it's not far to assume that. You know, he's down and out. He's literally a man with nothing left. Mm. And we know from various movies and TVs and books that that is when a person can be the most dangerous person they can be, especially with as roided out as he is with the super soldier serum coursing through his veins. Yes. And like I say, you don't know that if he is just what mental state he is in. No, yeah, especially because you think back to the fight scene he had at the beginning of the episode where, like you said, it was knockdown, it was drag out, it was tough for Sam and Bucky. That Sam and Bucky, I would imagine, were pulling back a little bit because, let's face it, it's not good for him to have killed somebody in broad daylight, you know, and, and the world has seen it. Mm-hmm. It's an even worse look for them to turn around and go, yeah, we ended up killing him because of what we did, what he did. So they were pull, they were holding back, I would imagine, a little bit just like, hey, we got to take this guy in. We can't kill him. Yeah. He was fighting with nothing to lose, you know, but he still had the mantle. He still had that in his mind. Now he's got even less to lose because he's now lost the mantle. He's literally like, what are they, what are they going to do? Take away the mantle? I've already lost it. Like, I've got nothing to lose. Yeah, he's just so delusional in his ways. And like I say, I, the serum, I think, did damage his brain and his psyche. I say, I believe the phrase, uh, scorched earth comes to mind. Yeah, that he is just going in to try redeeming himself in his own perverse way. That this is going to end completely badly for him. And it is going to be what it's going to be. But going into that final episode, Pat... This episode delivered on a lot. It tied up the loose ends with the family business for mm-hmm. Sam and company. And I think that we'll find out that uh, they save their business at the end of this. Yeah, I would imagine. All, I would imagine. But what is your expectations now going into that final episode? Uh, it's going, like I said, I would imagine an episode over an hour. Uh, and I would imagine it's going to be action-packed start to finish. That it's there's going to be a lot of action sequences you know, and we're going to get a lot of uh, stuff coming out of this that's going to lead into future properties. I think we're going to get the true battle of Sam versus John Walker. That I think that during this whole mess, it's going to come down to basically Sam beating John by himself. Bucky is going to be involved, no question of that. But I think that you're going to see Sam really prove that he is Captain America. That he is the mantle that so Isaiah... Or he's the best person for it. Yes, that he is going to prove Isaiah Bradley wrong and make a point of it. Not not to say, like, to oh, yeah, intentionally, yeah, 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 yeah. but I think what he's going to say is, I understand your version of events, and I fully respect that, but I'm going to grab the mantle, and I'm going to make it something else, and I'm going to prove you wrong for so it. So that was then, this is now, yep. things are different. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see Zemo come back and either escape or we're going to see the rollout of the Thunderbolts. I've, I've been Could saying be. this for a while, and now I'm more convinced of it, the fact he's going to the raft. When that got announced, I'm like, okay. Well, so I know there have been rumors that Ross is the uh, power broker. Right. There's, Gen- there's rumors of that. General Ross has been tagged to the show for so long, but 
At this point, it's like Mephisto. Yeah, so I, I can't really buy into that too much. The only thing I can somewhat speculate is, will we ever see the return of Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp? Ooh, that'd be cool. That she's in the raft? Maybe. That we'll see maybe some other villains Ooh. that could comprise because the Thunderbolts... In its original it's gonna concept. Be a, it's going to be a short list, though, because, Christ, they kill every villain in every damn movie. But what if they're back from the snap? That wouldn't count, though, because they only restored people who were th- snapped by Thanos. That we know of. I'm, I'm, their, I, their criteria during Endgame was bring back everyone who was snapped. Right. Hence why, uh, lo- why and I know asterisk because of what happened in the movie but that's why we at that point we didn't see loki was because he wasn't snapped out of existence thanos broke his neck right and that's why and that's why uh vision didn't come back because he didn't snap him out of existence he ripped his head off i'm just not doubting that something happens because it's comics yeah i I could see that like that's the thing with that like i say i believe it being you know comics more the reason than you know the snap or the unsnapping i guess you know bringing them back because they were very specific on what they said during their, you know, the good guys snap. Yeah. I mean, I could fully see that happening too, but like I say, I fully think we're going to see the Thunderbolts get rolled out. Maybe it's cause that's the other thing too. Now that I'm remembering it. Uh, Banner set Bruce says to Hawkeye, you know, after they bring everyone and they're having that moment before Thanos attacks, I tried to bring her back, but it just didn't happen. Yeah. With uh, black widow. Well, that's, that's a valid point too, but black widow's story is, is very complex too though. So, who knows what exactly could happen there, but, like I say, Thunderbolts, I think, is going to get announced at the end of this. Could be. We probably will get a teaser for Secret Invasion. Maybe. Like, a very subtle one. Like, I could see somebody, maybe Sharon Carter is a scroll. Maybe. I'll throw that one out as a little wild guess. But there's going to be so much to tie up with this, with one more episode left, and then if they leave it hanging... Will we get a second season announced maybe, a la Mandalorian? Maybe, maybe eventually. Oh, I, I they, got, they got stuff planned out so far in advance that I don't imagine them saying, oh, yeah, coming 2022, Falcon Winter Soldier Season 2. Like, if this were a normal set of circumstances, yeah, I could see that happening. But Marvel has got stuff planned out for, like, the next four years. Well, Marvel, yeah, Marvel is lined up for a big slate, but I think that it could happen that we get enough teaser that they leave it hanging just yeah, enough. yeah. That will get the wind of the second season. I mean, Christ, we know things are jumping around a, much, a lot as is. Uh, the thing I was alluding to in the last segment with things jumping around, uh, Vanity Fair uh, apparently had this, uh, this from an IGN article, uh, quote, if the arrival of Valentina Allegra de Fontaine seemed a little bit out of the blue, Vanity Fair may have a potential reason for that as sources close to the Falcon and Winter Soldier reportedly revealed that Luis Dreyfus was slated to first appear in the Black Widow film, which, in a pre-COVID world, was scheduled to debut in theaters May 1st, 2020. So things with, you know, are getting jumbled around and bounced around because of everything going on. So who knows? It's hard to say because, remember, Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to come out before um, yes, WandaVision. WandaVision too. But if the movie was supposed to come out first, that's why you didn't get an introduction of who she was. Yeah. So that makes more sense than anything. Either way, Falcon Winter Soldier going into the final episode. I know there will be a Council of Nerds episode Tyler from 30 and Nerdy is working on right now. So we'll definitely be partaking in that. But let us know what you think of episode five first before we get to episode six. What was your thoughts about Truth? Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the penultimate episode. Let's talk, shall we? Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the 5th Annual Livestream for the Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the Livestream for the Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it is time to catch up on a show that I said last year was fantastic. Mm -hmm. It got me re-energized into this franchise. Now, we've been doing the split shows, uh, the fusion shows, as you will, so we haven't been able to really deep dive into this show, but man, they have picked up so much steam, and they have hit the ground running since returning from mid-season break. I have to talk about Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Now, I know that the original flagship show came back. It was good. It had its moments, but I think it has been tainted a little bit with the announcement of the Daryl and Carol spinoff yeah. and some of the other stuff, even though the Negan episode Holy shit. was amazing. It's probably the best episode they've had in three years, bar none. But I digress. Fear the Walking Dead, for anybody that is tuned out of it, has really found its own voice, its own vibe, its own unique place in the TWD universe. Because where it started as a very bland mm -hmm. prequel, and, yeah. I, and I have to be honest. I've, Interesting concept, because, oh, this is, this is going to show you how one little portion of, of the apo zombie apocalypse started, which, to that point in the comics, had never really been shown. Right. But it just didn't really connect. It just... Nothing about those original set of characters really drew me in to the point I was like, I really need to watch this. And I'll admit, I tuned out season two. I was like, I'm done. And I decided to give it another shot last year when I saw the panel at New York Comic Con. And I was actually floored with it because I was like, okay, I always like Lenny James as Morgan. I think he's always been a fantastic actor. So I was like, okay, let me go back in because that first sequence, I was like, okay, this feels like it's going to have a different vibe to it. And even when he went over there, I catch a bits and pieces, and it was good what I caught. But now I'm like, this is must-watch TV. Last season I thought was very strong. Really hooked me. The first episode, oh, my God, fantastic. So now we have come back to the mid-season point. Episodes two, uh, they came back with two episodes, should I say. But those were episodes eight and nine in the series. So we are going to be talking spoilers about Fear the Walking Dead because I feel that they, you need this because – Holy shit. Stuff went down. Uh -huh. So if you haven't seen the show, you want to avoid spoilers, we'll give you that fair warning right now because we I'm going to start deep diving into this because I know Pat is a big TWD fan. I am trying to sell him on getting into this show. So we're going to go into that conversation in three, two, one. So what did I think? Holy smokes, man. You want to talk about coming back with a vengeance? Fear the Walking Dead reminds me why I actually cared about the original Walking Dead. Okay. Because they're not afraid to kill off major characters at any given point. Where, I'm sorry, we have to have Daryl escape everything and the rest of the big names get trapped in a cave with thousands of zombies. And yet, who gets killed, Pat? 
Nobody. No, that figures. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's gotten to the point where when your characters are not in peril and danger at any point, why do you care? Especially in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. You need to have that sense of consistent danger to really drive that home. That's why The Walking Dead was great when it first came out. Because they were killing off characters left and right. That's what they did in the comics by Robert Kirkman. Yeah, oh yeah. So now we fast forward to this past season, season six, and we now have the anthology story about how our group of survivors is dealing with the threat of Georgia. Yeah. Who, like I have to say, absolutely has been crushing it. Virginia, rather, I'm sorry. Colby Minifee has absolutely crushed it in this role of being the antagonist, being the main villain of this season, who has been the head of the Pioneers, which is another group of settlers, and just going in a direction that it does echo a little bit of the Governor's Saga. And yeah, like oh, I sure, said, sure. And like I, I always say, to really stand out, you need to have a good villain. She has been absolutely phenomenal in this role. I have to say that top to bottom. But where our antagonist has really driven a wedge with the group, she brought them all back together. And as we're left hanging, we're catching up on where everybody is because Morgan has been building his own settlement away. But he does have one factor that's involved, and that is the character of Dakota, played by Zoe Coletti, who has been a is a family member of Virginia. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to dabble around too much about you know her danger. But there's so much more going on with her that nobody realizes. This is where the dynamic is so intriguing. And I have to say, we jump in to another character who's had a very bit rough stretch, and that's John Dory, who I always say is the Daryl role of this show, mm-hmm. that he definitely is somebody that is the is the big muscle, is the big sure, you know, sure. heavy the, the hitter. Guy, you know, the, guy, the person will get down and dirty. Yeah, Garrett Dillahunt, who has been absolutely amazing in this role. And how he's gone from being... Uh, embracing the police officer role that he has on the show and using that to survive here. And obviously he's had the, he was married to Jenna Elfman's character, June. So there's always that dynamic going on too, who's being a nurse to the settlement as well to see where John broke away last. I always say last season because of the mid split, but where he broke away earlier this year because he wanted to get away from Virginia and went on his own route. We now finally catch up to him. And he is in a little bit of dire straits because he's basically cut himself off from June and everybody else. He's in his own cabin. He's contemplating suicide yeah. as he's shooting walkers that are showing up. But during this, he is getting pulled away, and he's investigating something going on nearby. And he finds one Morgan who's in rough shape and Dakota who's hiding from the forces of Virginia. Right. And he is reluctant to get involved, but... Every time, like I say, he thinks that he wants to take one way out, he winds up going in a different direction. Because he's basically been telling Morgan the entire time, too. He's like, every time I think I'm going to end it, I don't, to paraphrase right. a little bit. Because he is so depressed of everything going on. But he does see Morgan as a as a good friend, and he is Morgan is really trying to convince him, come to our new settlement. Yeah. Things will be better. We're going to take down Virginia. We got everybody back together. We'll, we will do what we need to do. And John reluctantly agrees with this because he's saying, okay, I'll help you get back to where you need to be. But then I want to be left alone to my own devices. I don't want to be involved. And during this kind of back and forth, 
Morgan is refusing to give up hope. Mm-hmm. Morgan is really now kind of had like a change of character because before when we saw him in the season, he was in a very dark place. And now he's kind of seeing that maybe there's a chance we can get back to being something else. That the tyranny of Virginia is not going to be standing as a shadow above us. Right. So he does get John on board to get him and Dakota back to their uh, settlement there. But Virginia is now tracking them down. And Virginia gets a hold of Morgan and says, we have some of your your family, quote-unquote, some of the other characters that are in their uh, group uh, in our possession. Mm-hmm. And if you want them alive, you bring Dakota back to me. Does this happen? Not necessarily right away because John, Morgan, and Dakota are trying to make their way to escape. And John has to eventually take out another ranger to make sure they get going. And then they do this big escape on this uh, truck where they kind of have like doors set up as a battering ram because they have to get over a bridge. And lo and behold, what's there but a herd of walkers. Right. And this is kind of like an uh, interesting action sequence because as they get going, you see that they're putting Dakota, the young child, in charge of driving. And, it seems safe. Yeah, and they're on the back of the truck shooting, and Morgan, who is still banged up and fighting everybody with one arm. Oh, of course uh, it is. Yeah, to try save, you know, to clear off the herd, they wind up having one walker go underneath the tire wheel. And they start, okay. and it starts getting them stuck. So they have to kind of get creative of how they escape and get going. But this is kind of like the only moment of the show. I was kind of like, all right, this is a little ridiculous because John has to get off the truck, go to the front, and reconnect a wire under the hood. Meanwhile, there's like walkers next to him, and none of them are grabbing him at this point. I digress. It's a little minor, minor little footnote that I'm not yeah. that yeah. wasn't exactly in love with, but I, I deal with. But. Needless to say, our heroes get through. They take care of everybody that is on the bridge. I mean, they do wind up crashing the truck for a little bit, but Morgan is still healing from his wounds in the back. So John and Dakota are off the truck. Okay. And during this, Dakota is trying to uh, tell him, hey, you know, you should really be with us. Because there was a little bit of falling out because when Morgan made the play, of trying to get John, he did force the issue because he did tell Virginia where John's cabin was. So he can't go mm. back home. So he forced it. So John is not speaking. John is getting more angry at the day. And Dakota is sitting there trying to reason and say, listen, you can come with us. I, you know, I need you here with us. You can really help us. But during this, he does see that Dakota is looking for something. And what he finds is Dakota has a knife. And this was a murder weapon from when a ranger was killed earlier in the in the show mm. that John had to deal with the framing of uh, the actual uh, somebody innocent was killed right. for this. So he now realizes that Dakota was the person who killed the ranger, which was kind of a wild sequence. And Dakota admits to everything going on. And she said, yeah, because he knew that I was leaving, but I had to make sure that he didn't say anything. At which point she pulls a gun out on Dory. And Dory is like, hey, you don't need to do this. We can talk about this. You know, you don't need to rush to any decisions. You know? Yeah. And what does Dakota do? She shoots him point blank. Of course. Which I was shocked at. I admit, I was like, what just happened? 
And as you see, she shoots him. She's like, not everything is exactly as you see. And she shoves his body into the river. Uh, of course. Which you see him fall to the ground or fall to the bottom of the, the lake they're in. And, you know, he gets this picture that he had of him and his dad when he was growing up. Because you can see how he, they did make this quick segue earlier in the show about, okay, how, you know, his dad was working on the car with him. Yeah, and, and yeah. you know, how he was a little estranged and trying to live up in that, uh, his shadow, so to speak. So you see him clutch the picture as he comes to and he's floating down the river on a board. So now word has gone out that Dory, who Dakota or Dakota is now shot, Virginia is looking for because he escaped the camp, and Morgan, who is trying to find his friend, are all now looking for him down the river. He goes sailing down to where Virginia now has June, his oh. wife, and some rangers at his cabin, and sure enough, who comes rolling up on stream? But Dory as a zombie. Oh, that figures. And who is the first one to see him? June. Oh, that's some uh, Lord of the Rings Bormir dies type of stuff. Yep. It was very intense. It was a great dramatic moment to really put some more, you know, not that the scene needed anything more to it, but when you have to think about it, like they, you have one person in a marriage that has to kill the other because they're dying and they're a zombie it just really added something to the moment. And for June's character, who has always been somewhat of an optimist, yeah, to really see that this is the future and she has to put down somebody she loves, it, it was truly an intense scene. And she does have to do it. And then that's where this episode ends, hmm. which is kind of, like I said, it was so intense. And that's so not, they, Yeah, that's nuts. This is, like I say, this is how they kick off the first episode back, which is like you just killed off one of your major characters. And like I said, this would have been like if Walking Dead killed off Daryl. Out of nowhere, which it'd be it'd be worse if they did that. Let's face it, the internet would burn to the ground. Oh, it would, but at least like I say, where fear stands out above them is they take chances, and this is one thing that I say I can't stress enough. When they take some chances, they really take some chances. So now, as we go into the next episode, things left to do, you see that June is now having to dig a grave and keeps the gun that uh, she had uh, the John's gun. Yeah, but. Virginia is sitting there and, you know, trying to, like, talk to her about this and it is not happening. And meanwhile, the other survivors of Morgan's group are now, you know, being used as a exchange piece to find out where Morgan is, but hmm. nobody knows where he is. So as they decide the future, what they're doing, Morgan appears and does say, this is what happened with Cameron, the ranger, and this is everything that's going on. So now the secret is coming out about Dakota, hmm. and Dakota is now being kept alive, but for how long, we don't know. Morgan, during this time, does wind up capturing Virginia Way, which is absolutely nuts, I have to say. And the fact that he says, we're going to keep you alive for right now, and to see how this is going to play out to where they can somehow win this battle... I thought it was kind of an interesting uh, swing on they could do. Yeah. Because I really didn't see this coming. During this, Virginia reveals to Morgan that Dakota is not her sister, but her daughter. Bum, bum, bum. Because I always thought it was her sister from the longest time. But when this happened, I was like, oh, okay. And then Virginia is in there basically trying to power play with Morgan and get their their members back that Virginia dies Everybody that's captured is in trouble. So they need to kind of really work together to somehow escape this. 
it's a very back and forth. But Virginia is basically saying, listen, is if I'm taken out as long as Dakota is good, I'm okay. Morgan is ready to do this, but he doesn't wind up killing her, which I, I thought was kind of interesting because they do this thing where they go back and forth about killing their antagonists. Okay. That Morgan gets like very amped up, like, okay, we need to take her out. She's a threat, and then he stops. And I'm not saying this is like a bad thing, but I think this just goes to show the human nature. Yeah. That as much as the Walking Dead universe is very dark and very bleak, there still is signs of humanity left in it. Just a little bit. Yeah, which, I mean, like I say, kudos to the writing team for illustrating this point because it just didn't seem very cut and dry. Like, you could see the complexity of the situation at hand because, I mean, you think, okay, if we get rid of Virginia, everything comes back to us, but she has her loyalists with her. They're not going to exactly just say, okay, well, you took out her. We're now going to come in line. It's not going to happen that way. But as Virginia is talking to Dakota and says, hey, you're not my sister, but you're my daughter, Dakota's not into this. She is rejected because Dakota has been trying to escape Virginia for so many options now. It's not even funny. But they do have that kind of back and forth. You're seeing other members of the group get involved. And then Morgan is meeting with some of the some of the group that he's been left astray with. So, I mean, that's kind of a, a touching moment to jump around a little bit. But the big moment of this episode, which, like I say, did not see coming. But holy sh... And that is June kills Virginia. Oh, boy. With the same gun that Dakota shot John with. And then June takes off. End. This is, like I say, kudos to the writing team of Fear the Walking Dead. Because this really illustrated the point of taking some risks. You've now killed off two major characters in two episodes. Yeah. You don't see this on this franchise anymore. This is what gives me some interest to watch, that you're willing to go take those risks. You tie in the human element, and like I say, Lenny James absolutely crushes it on this role. We've said this many times, and we don't say it for lip service. He carries this show a lot. And to see his back and forth, and obviously Colby Menifee has been doing a great job as Virginia, and to see their back and forth. I'm sad to see it end, but it does make sense as par for the course. And you know there'll be a new antagonist that comes up and gets oh, involved. of course. But for where this story ended, I thought was very interesting. And I thought to see June, who, I mean, Jenna Elfman's character, has always been just somebody who's been kind, been somewhat optimistic of the world, trying to get you know everybody to work together. To see her be the trigger person, <sighs> amazing. Amazing sequence of events. I'm sold on it. Pad, I got to tell you, I know you're the big Walking Dead guy as much as I am. Mm -hmm. You got to give the show a try. Yeah, maybe. You got to. This is something that the acting in this has been on point. They're taking risks, which I love to see. Because when shows feel too safe, they're not fun to watch. They get boring really quick. This one demonstrated coming back very, very strong that they were ready to go take some chances. This is what you want from your shows. And if you're not going to do this with shows in this universe, in this type of environment... You shouldn't be doing them. This is where The Walking Dead feels like it's gone on too long because you're not willing to take risks. Fear has now found its voice. Yeah. And fear is definitely, I don't want to say cliche, putting fear into the viewer, but there's always that step that somebody could get killed off at any moment. And for this universe to see the back-and-forth battle that you know ultimately is going to end badly, it does give something to us, the viewer, 
to get more invested in. And I have to say, four more episodes are left in this season. Get on board now. Just jump in, start watching the show. AMC, Sunday nights, wherever you are listed in the world, just check your local listings. Get on board with the show. And if you've seen the show, definitely hit me up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Fear the Walking Dead? I'm all in. This has definitely made me say this is the flagship show. I'm sorry, Walking Dead, I really don't care what you do. Sorry, I'm going to put it out there. But not even lately. I'm putting it out there. But definitely hit me up. Let me know what you think. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Wine, Dine, and Storytime. I'm Nydia. I'm Dana. I'm Cindy. And we're your hosts. Have you ruined a family gathering by asking what wine pairs well with eating a husband? Are you the CEO of TMI? Have you ever been kicked under the table because you brought up your favorite dinner topic, atrocities throughout history? Then this podcast is perfect for you. Each week, Dana and I share stories based on topics that include true crime, historical shenanigans, unexplained mysteries, and all things fascinating while our amateur chef Cindy prepares themed dinners and pairs wines based on those topics. Find us, the Wine, Dine, and Storytime podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a follow. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Time for those one shots. What got, you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first one is some unfortunate news as it was announced a couple days ago, uh, four days ago as we record, that the actress uh, Helen McCrory passed away uh, from cancer at the age of 52. Uh, this was announced by her husband, Damian Lewis, who you might know from uh, Homeland, and he was also in Band of Brothers. Uh, he announced the news on Friday on his Twitter account saying, quote, I'm heartbroken to announce that after a heroic battle with cancer, the beautiful and mighty woman that is Helen McCrory has died peacefully at home surrounded by a wave of love from friends and family she died as she lived fearlessly God we love her and know how lucky we are to have had her in our lives she blazed so brightly go now little one into the air and thank you uh, so yeah Helen McCrory uh, 52 years old was born and born in uh, London England over in the UK you might not know that it's one of those cases you might not know the name but once you see some of the stuff she has been in you go oh her uh, she was in uh, the TV series His Dark Materials, uh, Peaky Blinders uh, on Netflix, I believe, was also in the uh, Showtime show Penny Dreadful. Uh, she was uh, in Skyfall. She was in the hearing scene uh, where M and uh, her secretary uh, were going up in front of the British government for basically screwing the pooch and, and getting their double uh, O agents list printed to the entire world and getting double O agents killed in the field. So she was, she was in that scene. Uh, she was also, and probably most known for a lot of folks, including myself, uh, she was Narcissa Malfoy. She was Draco Malfoy's mother in the Harry Potter series, okay. which fun little story. She was originally scheduled to play Bellatrix Lestrange, uh, who is played by uh, Helena Bonham Carter in the, uh, movies. She, uh, so Helen McCrory was originally cast to play her, but then couldn't fulfill the role because she was very pregnant. You know, so it came. It, this was you know over a decade ago, two decades ago, whatever it was. So they, she wasn't able to play the part. Uh, Helen Bonham Carter stepped in and played her part, but they brought her back uh, the next movie as Narcissa Malfoy. Wonderful actress, great actress. I, you know, the stuff I've seen her in, I've loved her. So definitely thoughts and well wishes to her friends and family. Absolutely. Uh, switching over to some uh, interesting and surprising news. Uh, Dominic Purcell, who you might know from uh, Legends of Tomorrow, The Flash, and DC fame. Yo, buddy. Uh, took to his Twitter account uh, a couple days ago where basically he said that uh, he's walking away uh, from... Legends of Tomorrow, in that quote, no amount of money from uh, corporate level will be able to make me come back. Oof. 
Yeah. Uh, it really seems like outside of, you know, the, uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, Ruby Rose situation, you know, mm. what happened backstage. It always seemed like Arrow in, in the Arrowverse, you know, good things behind the scenes, but maybe that's not the case. No, it definitely seems like something's up. I know his Instagram post was... Yeah, uh, yeah, I found it here. Uh, it's been deleted since, so the only way you find it is in articles. Uh, he said, quote, deal isn't done. I have no interest. Uh, whatever, ca- whatever cash they throw on the corporate level, I'm walking away from at CW underscore Legends of Tomorrow. It's been a total pleasure and a humbling experience bringing at DC Comics iconic character uh, Heat Wave, a.k.a. McRory to life. I smashed this character. Not an actor in the world could have done better. Fact. Time to move on and see how shit unfolds. Uh, at, and then he tagged at uh, Katie Lotz and at Nick Zano. Look after the kids coming through. They need education. They are a number. Teach them not to rely on loyalty from the studio. The studio does not care. The actor's work ethic and talent must give them the confidence to question authority. Much love to all. It's not lost on me how very fortunate I am. Actors hit me up on DM in all caps. Close quote. Well, no pun intended, but if you want to burn that bridge, congratulations. <laughs> that was a actually cleaned up version from what he originally posted. Yeah. Because he had a lot of colorful language, I'll say to, to quote, put it mildly. To quote Stone Cold Steve Austin, he burned that some bitch to the ground. Yeah, he definitely was dropping a few not safe for work words that we don't like saying. So Yeah, so he deleted his previous post and shared a new one. Uh, saying, quote, he has no beef with the studio at uh, at Warner Brothers TV. Uh, furthermore, he would, uh, even though he will no longer be a series regular, he will return periodically. Uh, said it, quote, and then said, quote, and nobody has forced me to make this statement. Uh, God, would everyone chill the fuck out? Why are people losing their mind because I'm leaving the show? Yes, my tone was heavy, straight to the point. I use cuss words because I do, and I'm Australian. It's who I am. Do I have a beef with the studio at Warner Brothers TV? No. Yes, they don't care. <laughs> That's not correct. Of course they do. Just me being emotional and over stuff. Uh, we work, we all work in a big machine. He's not using a lot of uh, punctuation, folks, so I'm having to like add it in myself. Uh, we, uh, we all work in a big machine. Sometimes shit happens. It's life. Here are the facts. I am leaving uh, Legends of Tomorrow on a full-time basis. I am coming back periodically with a handshake deal with my boss, Phil Clemmer. I have, I have and always have had a tremendous relationship uh, with the bosses and the studio at Warner Brothers TV. Peter Roth and I have a tremendous working relationship. I was super sad when he retired. My wording was aggressive in tone because sometimes I get frustrated and annoyed. It's been a long, long, heavy year locked up in hashtag Vancouver for nine months without going home. Who does it and who hasn't lashed out? I'm fucking human. So for God's sake, chill on. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, quote, Dominic Purcell and the studio are beefing. Total bullshit. It's simply not the truth. The press always turns shit into what it's not. I haven't quit. My contract is up. Six years, not seven. I never quit on a contract and never would. So to all the fans, you will see me again next year on season seven periodically. I hope this is clarified stuff. I must admit I was freaked the fuck out on how much press I got or this would this got worldwide. But hey, fuck out. Uh, but hey, CW Legends of Tomorrow hasn't ever got as much press ever. Stoked. Okay. All the tea got spilled. 
That's a lot to digest. Right that's, a, that's a lot of tea. Uh, so initial reaction. Uh, Holy shit. You, you wonder why it generated that much? Uh, one thing, if you were frustrated, this is just anything in life. Yeah, yeah. Stay the hell off social media. Uh-huh. Because if you're you gonna, were... You're going to do more harm than good. Exactly. If you were, quote-unquote, venting, uh, my friend... That is not venting. No. That was a complete meltdown. Meltdown. You can't spin that. No. Your apology, quote unquote, allegedly, uh, did not take the sting out of that. No. I'm sorry, it, it didn't. If how the knife got removed a little bit, but there were some twists in it. Yeah, that did not come out so ever smooth. Uh you definitely did a lot of damage. Uh-huh. In my opinion. And uh-huh. I can't and, you, and you've now made it awkward for your felt your co-stars going forward for the next year that anytime they go to do some sort of press junket for the show, be it in person or virtually, mm-hmm. uh that is going to be the first question all of them get asked about is were you aware of any issues behind the scenes going on between you and your co-star, Dominic Purcell? Yep. That is all they're going to hear about for, like, the next six months. That's going to be one of the top ones they ask. Uh-huh. And you've now... You'll have some... De- you'll say, you'll have some some folks that won't bring it up. They'll try to, like, listen. They'll they'll understand that, like, they've, you know, they've been around press junkets enough and, and all that. They're like, hey, listen, we know you're getting asked about this. We're, gonna, we're not going to ask you about it. But by and large, the majority of interviewers are going to ask about it. Oh, they're going to ask about it. You have to ask about it. I'd ask him about it. You, you can't go and completely light that bridge on fire and leave it alone. No. And I, I don't care how you want to spin it. Like, I'm sure that somebody came and said, you need to apologize and backtrack because oh this, God, this was, is... His, his agent was probably blown up his phone. Yeah, no. The, what his initial post said, which I, it was a little cleaned up as I read it, but given the contents of what he said, and it was one word I very specifically left out of it. Uh-huh. Is career suicide because you would look at that and go, Holy, if you are a casting agent or a producer, director, or what have you, and you've got a line of photos of folks you're considering being on your TV show, you know, pick who, whatever actors you might think, and you going, All right, eh, this guy, you know, you're doing the whole, you know, all right, let's push the photos up on the table that we're considering, and you get down to say Dominic Purcell and somebody else going, God, wasn't this the guy who went nuts on the on his last season of Legends of Tomorrow on the C, on the C, on that CW show, and really tra- crap talked you know all the all the producers and all the heads of that studio just because he didn't get what he wanted? Yeah, let's not work with that guy. Yeah, that was just such a bad take, and even the apology. Listen, I got the idea, but not the best wording. Yeah, not the best wording in my opinion. Should have run it through your agent. Yeah, so. Uh, May 2nd is going to be an interesting day on social media. That's when Legends Ooh, returns. Oh, yeah. And for 15 episodes, too, so it's on a half order. So maybe it'll be the swan song. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. So, uh, switching over some Marvel news. Uh, Ken, what is an uh, NDA? Non-disclosure agreement? Uh, yeah, so basically, if you're not familiar with a non-disclosure agreement, is, uh, it is signed by actors and sometimes folks who visit uh, studio sets, you know, such as uh, reporters or interviewers or what have you, that, hey, you can't talk about what you've seen, what you participated in until such time as this NDA is lifted. Right. Uh, breaking an NDA is usually not a good idea, uh, especially when it's from the folks at Marvel. Uh, hello, I'm looking at you, Tom Holland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alfred Molina, of course, a lot of people know portraying one Dr. Otto Octavius in uh, the Spider-Man 2 Sam Raimi film. Uh Allegedly reprising his uh, Doc Ock role in the upcoming Spider-Man film, uh, No Way Home. 
Although I guess we can take that allegedly off because he decided to go, yo, fuck the NDA. I'm going to talk about it. Uh, he was doing an interview uh, and he was speaking with Variety uh, regarding his appearance in the Oscar-nominated uh, Promising Young Woman. Uh, he spilled some beans. He spilled a lot of beans uh, saying, quote, it was very interesting going back after 17 years to play the same role, given that in the intervening years, I now have two chins, a waddle, crow's feet, and slightly and a slightly dodgy lower back. Uh, he said in the interview, Melina, uh, quote, Melina spoke with No Way Home director John Watts about how uh, Octavius could return after seemingly dying in Spider-Man 2 and was told that in this universe, no one really dies. The director also apparently told Melina early on in that No Way Home would pick up where Octavius' story left off from that moment in the river, presumably where Doc Ock sacrifices himself to submerge his energy machine. So yeah, Octavius is in the movie, uh, and I've heard some rumblings that he's not the only one from that universe making an appearance in the movie. Uh, I'd be a little green if I told you the name. Uh, possibly a little goblin-ish, if you pick up what I'm dropping. Well, it's nice to see that it's been confirmed, because mm-hmm. I know when that was... I can't imagine rumored. Feige's too happy. Well, I think he's probably sitting back and going, all right, the internet ran crazy with it. Yeah. We had Mephisto fever to kick yeah. off 2021. All right. I so. mean, the internet's running wild with everything no, no, far, no Way Home, just because I know they finished filming and there was like a t-shirt or a sign, something signed by like all of the cast and crew. Yeah. I, th- I think it was a sign. And every per- almost every person on the internet was then scouring said thing that got signed. I think it was a sign. It was scouring every signature on that piece of cardboard or right. whatever it was, trying to pick out names and saying, all right, let's see if we can find Toby McGuire's name. All right, let's see if we can find Andrew Garfield's name. Oh, maybe maybe we can find, you know, the actress who plays MJ's name. It, like, they're just going nuts with everything in that movie. So the fact that this got out is a little surprising. It's a little surprising, but I don't think Feige is as mad as he normally would be about this. Yeah. Like, I think had this been a bigger cameo leak, mm-hmm. like for the amount of people that were speculating are going to sure. be in the way home. Sure. This is going to be a, what? A two minute cameo at best. I mean, it's not, maybe it's not going to be Avengers end game for the spider verse. That's, that's what I'm putting out with this. Yeah. So I think under the circumstances, I don't think they're as upset, but I think he must've gotten permission to do this. Must he, have. He, he's, he's too smart of a person to just break in and say, I don't care about a fine. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just I can't see it going the other way. Yeah. Uh, switching over to some video game news. Uh, if you are a PlayStation owner, uh, PlayStation has their so- summer at home. They've got their promotion going where they're giving out free games all, all year, all summer, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the most recent game that just dropped, it is free through May 14th on the PlayStation Store. Don't need a PlayStation Plus subscription to get it. So if you don't have PlayStation Plus, go to the store, download it for free. It is Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition. So this is the main game, plus the Frozen Wilds DLC. If you are like me and you went and got every collectible and did the side quests and all that, you will get north of 60, 70 hours out of this game. Uh, It is in my top five favorite games of all time. Ooh, okay. Uh, Game of all year. Like, this was one game that, like, I started picking up collectibles in it, and it was giving backstory, and I just went, oh, my God, I want to know what happened with this. You know, it's a great game, a lot of fun, open world, uh, third person, quote unquote shooter, but it's with a bow and arrow, so you know, kind of, kind of third person shooter, right? Uh, but it's from the folks over at Guerrilla Games, who you might know from the Killzone series. 
legitimately one of the best games of all time that I've ever played. And it's true for a lot of folks. Uh, got a sequel coming out on the PlayStation 5 at some point here in the new future. So if you're ever looking for a chance to pick up an amazing game of the, like the game of the year, incredible game, you can do it literally for free. And the nice thing with this is once the promotion is up, you don't lose the game. You, huh. you will keep the game in perpetuity. That's AKA, cool. AKA forever. Like, I know the game they did was the Ratchet, the last first one they did, big one they did, was the Ratchet Clank movie game. It came out in, like, 2016, 2017. With that one and this one, no matter what happens, you know, even after this whole promotion is done, you keep the game. Can't go wrong with that, man. it's free. It's free. Like, how do you beat that? I'm sorry. Like, how do you beat that? I don't know. You don't. Not easy to do. Uh, Switching over back to some DC news, because, hey, Ken, do you believe it's actually happening? No. No, I don't. I'm sorry. Listen, until I'm actually physically in a theater or watching on HBO Max, because maybe they'll still be doing the deal by then, I don't know. I bear no stock in this Flash movie being made. Zero. I'll say for those who aren't familiar, the director Andy uh, Muschietti posted on Instagram uh, yesterday as we record a video uh, where it, which it appears to be uh, the Flash and his uh, chest of his outfit. You got the light, you got the lightning bolt, you got the logo, you got lightning going through it, and it says the Flash with DC on top of it. And he said, "Quote: Here we go, the Flash, day one." Hashtag the Flash movie. So it would appear that after a lot of issues and a lot of hiccups and a lot of road bumps, the film is actually uh, underway and filming. And among that, uh, Michael Keaton is officially confirmed, reprising his role as Batman. Uh, This according to, well, not sources, not rumors, not hearsay. It's his publicist. Yeah, his publicist came out and confirmed because I know he was was having issues of... He was was contemplating. He wasn't quite sure because given the... The coronavirus situation mm-hmm. wasn't sure about going over, but uh, apparently those issues were quelmed or he, he got stuff explained and he felt better about it. So uh, uh, Michael Keane is donning the cowl once again. So uh, brooding intensifies. Yeah, so we'll have to wait and see how that plays out with the multiverse. Yeah, we'll see what that comes. I, I know I, I'm kind of excited for it, but again, I got to see a trailer first because it's had so many issues at this point that I'm kind of like, I need to see a trailer. This is DC's New Mutants. I'm gonna play that out right now. Oh, it's not that bad. No, it's not. It's not that far yet. No, 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 no. I'm just saying for all the delays they've had, and then they have what Ezra Miller got with Grant Morrison, they it, rewrote an entire new script. Listen, then, listen, listen, listen. The difference, but I can't believe I'm going to bat for this movie. But the difference between the Flash and New Mutants was, um, uh, 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 what's her name? Uh, Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams was on like when this before the like there were rumors that they were gonna have to go in for reshoots and this and that. Maisie Williams was on the red carpet for Game of Thrones and somebody asked her about it and she goes, I have no idea what's going on with the film. Like you got to the point with that movie where the uh, main actors and actresses didn't know what the fuck was going on with New Mutants. That it went so far as test screenings and it bombed in the test screenings. Yeah. Like Flash has had its issues. But it's nowhere near that level. I just say with the production issues because now that it's actually allegedly rolling, I mean, I, I, I'm am still like I'm I'm just I'm not buying into it until I actually go to a theater. You see issues with every franchise and every studio. I mean, yeah, I but mean, this I, one. I mean, Christ, the time from because I'm going through the Bond movies and rewatching the Bond movies. The time from between uh, Timothy Dalton's last film, which was in. 1989, I want I want to say, mm-hmm. uh, which I want to say it was The Living Daylights. It wasn't licensed. Yeah, it was The Living Daylights was his last film. To the next one 
was like four or five years. And, mm-hmm. and, and and rewrites and it got redone and it was a whole different thing. So like you see that with every franchise, but just to, to varying degrees. Right, but this one's been cursed though. Yeah, you you, you got to admit that it has that vibe yeah. to it. Yeah, a little bit. So it's like, like yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So when I say I'll believe it when I'm actually in a theater seeing it and I'll be screaming, Grant Gustin, where are you at? Yeah. Uh, next up uh, in some Walking Dead news or potential Walking Dead news. Oh, okay. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan uh, will appeared on, as a guest on uh, the Conan show uh, this week to discuss uh, Walking Dead's 11th and final season, uh, which, again, uh, set to premiere on August 22nd. Uh, he was asked about the prospect of a long-rumored spinoff series featuring Negan. Uh, and luckily for us, he didn't play coy and beat around the bush. He just kind of got right to it, saying, quote, it's definitely being talked about. I think they're thinking of a couple different ideas, but I've definitely had conversations about possibly continuing the story of Negan. You know, we just did the Here's Negan story, which is sort of the prequel of how Negan became this guy. And I shot that with my wife, which was so cool. Uh, Close quote. So, yeah, hi, please give me more Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan. He is incredible. I would not object to this at all. I wouldn't, but I think what they should do first is test it out on that anthology show they're doing for the Walking Dead franchise. Yeah. Like, test it out there for, like, three episodes, see what the temp of the room is, and then go with it. Yeah. I But Jeffrey Need Morgan's amazing in anything he's in, so I'm not, yeah. I'm not like, objecting to this, but I think with his character, you just got to really have a good point because this is something that we haven't seen with the comics. Yeah. With Negan uh, yeah. really being on his own for the, to carry a show, so mm-hmm. not saying he couldn't, but I just yeah, let's test the waters first. Uh, and this one I'm leaving for last because it made me the most excited when I read it. We got another casting announcement for Indiana Jones Five, and this is quite possibly the best one yet. One Mads Mikkelsen is oh. joining the cast of Indiana Jones Five. Uh, of course, played Galen Erso in Rogue One, was Le Chief in. Uh, Casino Royale in, in James Bond, uh, played Hannibal uh, in the TV series, was in Hideo Kojima's Death Stranding, among many, many other things. Uh, but uh, he is now officially uh, confirmed as joining the cast of the Indiana Jones movie, according to Deadline. Uh, no word yet who his character is or what their motivations are going to be, but knowing him, he's probably the villain. He's probably going to be the bad guy. Yeah, I would say more than likely. I mean, I'm not saying he's typecasted, but he plays a really good bad he guy. He plays an excellent bad he guy. He plays an excellent bad guy. Uh, switching over lastly to some comics news, uh, my picks for the week, uh, Justice League issue number 60. Uh, so after the bonkers issue that was uh, last week, or the last issue, definitely check that out. Infinite Frontier number one, Secret Files, Infinite Frontier, especially with that whole first issue. Yeah, that's a must pick up. Yo. Uh, also, uh, Alien uh, issue number two comes out uh, this week, so definitely check that out. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man issue number 64. Uh, Ken, is uh, Nick Spencer still writing Spider-Man? Yes. Enough said. Uh, uh, the description of this, Tombstone and Robbie are at each other's throats and much of Spider-Man's life is, is collateral damage. Does this have anything to do with me, uh, with Mayor Kingpin's moves of late? Short answer, yes. Uh, yeah, so I don't want to spoil anything about this, but yeah, uh, there's stuff going on with Tombstone and, and uh, Robbie, so definitely have to check that out because it's a little bonkers. Uh, also, and lastly, uh, Avengers issue number uh, 45, uh, the description of this is the Avengers join the battle against the King in Black. The year's most epic event explodes in the, the pages of Avengers. The vampire hunter Blade has been at the forefront of the fight against the dark symbiote God, but now he must pay a dark price that will change his world forever. Close quote. Uh, and a retroactive one uh, for last last week, again, I mentioned last week, you got to pick up Thor. Uh, what happens in the last couple pages? Holy sugar cookies. Thor has been on point. Like, I think if anybody's sleeping on Donny Cates, 
interpretation of that is you're truly the missing last out. handful of pages. I had to read it like four times because I couldn't believe what I was reading. Yeah, no, it's absolutely been epic. And it's it's it, I'm not saying he's on Aaron level just yet. So before I start getting you know hit up about that, it's definitely in the contention. I feel like they're giving him free range. Just like, yeah, do whatever you want. Go crazy. Well, I mean, you have to with, with him. There's certain writers you just say, OK, go crazy with. Cates has been Marvel's guy. Mm-hmm. So why would you say no to letting him just absolutely run free? Like, like for me, that's a no-brainer. You just say, okay, until you prove otherwise. And I don't think he'd do anything like kill off Magneto and Jean Grey in the same issue. No. You know, I think, you know, super out there like that. No. I, you know, I think you got to let him run. Uh, definitely a throw in Nightwing 79 on that too oh, as well. Oh, yeah. Tom yeah. Taylor. Tom Taylor. Enough said. Enough said. Uh, so for my one-shots, I'll keep it very short and simple. Uh, there was some more casting news for the MCU as we are recording. Okay. So, Secret Invasion has now been stockpiling some actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivia Coleman is joining the Ooh. cast. Kingsley Ben Eldrin. Okay. And Amelia Clark. Hello. From Game of Thrones has just been added. Also Rogue One. Yes. Uh, so, no idea who these characters are, or actors are going to be playing. Playing Kira from Rogue One. Uh, maybe a guy can dream. I would say this. I'd love to see Amelia Clark play Abigail brand. Okay. I think that that would make a lot of sense. The head of sword. If you're not familiar from the comics, uh, I think she'd be excellent in that, but I don't know how they're going to do this because it's secret yeah. invasion. So yeah. say, I, also we're talking, uh, Amelia Clark. Give me that. Uh, her as a, is Kira in a Disney plus series. Yeah. Uh, that character was awesome in Rogue One. Yeah. So, I mean, it. a lot of things. Not could, Rogue One. Solo. Yeah. A lot of things could go on with that. So, I mean, with the Star Wars universe, you can do anything. Yeah. But for Marvel, and this show is now starting to take some shape, and I think that you're going to see this be a big Disney Plus series. Not yeah. that it wasn't already expected yeah. to be. Yeah. I was like, but you're bringing in the, the actors and actresses of this caliber. You're not bringing in Amelia Clark to play, like, you know, uh, lunch lady number two. Yeah, and I definitely think that she is going to be a high-profile character. Yeah. Could be uh, somebody very high-ranking in the scrolls, but I don't know. Like I say, you can definitely take your pick. It's great for speculation, so run with it crazy. Uh, but we don't have any confirmation of castings just yet, nope. but they are attached to the show, and the cast is filling out excellent. So definitely, definitely stay tuned for that. Also, talking some movies coming out this Friday. Mm-hmm. The legendary Mortal Kombat nah. returns to theaters. Pad, you have not played this game. You nope. disclose this, and I hope I don't blow up your spot here on no, air. You're, no, you're fine. Uh, I have not played this game, and before folks get all up in arms like, holy shit, how have you not played this game? Uh, I didn't own a gaming console until it, uh, Sega Genesis was gifted to my family in... I want to say like 96, 97, somewhere in there. Uh, I was under the age of 10 at that point. So think to yourselves and don't just say yes because you know it's an awesome game. Can you realistically, especially you, Ken, knowing my, mo- knowing, yeah, knowing yeah. my mother. Shout out. Uh, can you realistically expect my mother to let me play those Mortal Kombat games? No. Uh-huh. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not judging you on that, but it, this is just something that if, you, if you're not familiar with the franchise, that really... Through arcades mm-hmm. and video game systems, yeah, in all types of different directions. When it came out by Midway Games, ninety two, it dropped. Yeah. yeah, so and obviously the sequels have come since. Definitely stepped the game up on fighting games for video games. Uh, the fatalities have always been something that this has really stepped out for the tournament to ensure the safety of Earth and the outer realm. 
it has been something to definitely embrace if you're into the fighting games. I know between this and Street Fighter 2, this was always the big one at the arcades. Oh, God, yeah. And obviously this is now the, I don't want to say sequel, but we're just going to say the restart from the movie franchise from 1995, which I will Fresh say. Start. I will say this. For being a video game movie, the original Mortal Kombat it's is not, not the worst. Yeah, yeah it's not yeah. the worst. Soundtrack is what everybody remembers for it because it's a big EDM. <laughs> That's true. But at the same time, the uh, movie was not the worst. Uh, yeah. The sequel is absolutely hot garbage, though. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm not going to lie about this. So now we are up to date with the most recent version coming out, and this is going to be R-rated. This is not going to be for anything other than fans to completely while out and get super, super excited about I know I am to see Sub-Zero, Scorpion, and all the big names on screen. Yeah. Trailer looks violent as all hell, so if you are into the video game, you'll definitely be a fan of it. I'm going with Rich and Diesel from 3FN and Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling. Would not be surprised if at some point, maybe like with when the Blu-ray releases, we get like an unrated cut where they just don't hold anything back. It could happen. I mean, this franchise definitely draws out attention for that. If there was ever a film to get in, because like I know that used to happen a lot like 10, 15 years ago. Oh, the unrated cut. You know... If there was ever a movie franchise to do like an unrated cut when it came time for release, it'd be this one or Deadpool. Yeah, it definitely would be. I mean, this is going to be something that's going to be absolutely crazy. So if you're a fan of the video game franchise, definitely go to the theaters if you can check it out. If you can't because theaters aren't open, it's going to be on HBO Max. So definitely check it out. We'll be talking about it next week. And like I say, if you haven't seen or played Mortal Kombat, get ready for a very violent fighting trip because it's going to deliver. It looks absolutely brutal. I am fully 1,000% here for that. That all being said, the music you heard here on the ODPH is that of Shout at the Robots. They're fantastic people. Pad, where do you find out about them? OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That is now renamed ODPHPodcast.com. But if you type in both, it'll take you to the same place. So you swing over the music section. You go check out everything going on with Shout. You go check out what's going on with Brian Wolf. He does those Patreon Wednesdays. They're fantastic. Tom Jolu. New album, information is right there. You need that Tom Jolu in your system. You can also find out what's going on with Second Suitor and Floodlands, all the great bands you hear on the ODPH. You can also check out the directory, which has Friends of the Show, Organizational Links, Support, and Black Lives Matter. All the pod groups that we are in, and definitely shout out to the Apocalypse and shout out to the Inner Circle and 8122 Productions because, my God... Those guys survived the one-chip challenge. I, I, I didn't catch it live, but I caught the replay. Uh, it went down exactly as I expected. Yeah, and my acid reflux cannot take that. That's why I'll I I'll say, yeah, to... I, like, I know because the chat replay was coming up. They're like, oh, they're telling you to eat the chip. I'm like, yo, he's got acid reflux. I have very, very bad acid reflux to disclose to the world. So that being said, I was going nowhere near that chip. So if I, I did enjoy, though, you, uh, I, I think, what was it, like a Ruffles or something like that? Yeah. You, you did grab a Ruffles. Like, Here, here's my chip. You didn't, yeah, they didn't specify. But shout out to Rich and Diesel for taking those nasty-ass chips. My God. That was definitely a fun time, though, going down for the 3F anniversary. Uh, definitely a fun time on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. So yeah. definitely shout out to all those guys. Mike C returning to studio soon. I hear too. Oh, okay. So be excited to see him. We haven't seen him since pre COVID. So definitely excited to see all those guys and shout out to them. 8122productions.com for more information on what all those guys are doing. All of that, the T public store, which we got new designs coming out, pad. Ooh. Super excited about that. Especially there's one I can't talk about right now. I want to, but until I see the prototype, can't talk about it spoiler alert mephisto's on it all right thanks for giving away all of that 
and so much more at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So the only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. We'll see you next time.